Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Yes, yes, thanks for tuning in. I'm back. I'm back this week. Real quick, uh, I lied. I lied. As you as you might see by the title of the episode, I lied to you all last week. This is actually going to be the season in review. Uh, I think I said last week and the week before that I was going to do um, look back on my season predictions for the league um, in terms of like over-unders and stuff I said in those preseason podcasts before. Um, and I was going to do that this week, but I decided to go with the Mariners season recap. And I think I'm just going to wait until the playoffs end to do the entire league recap just for, cause I probably had some world series and playoff talk in those preseason pods. So switching it up, but obviously this is, this is more Mariners content. It's geared mostly to what I'm trying to do here. So, and now we're approaching a minute real quick, half of you. The half that listened to this, yes, I'm talking directly. You don't click out yet. Right around now is when like half you are are clicking out. I urge you, stay longer. Listen at least to the first five ten minutes. Give me a chance to be the voice in your heart talking about baseball. Uh, because I'm starting this one off. I went back and listened to my preseason podcast about the Mariners. I pulled a bunch of quotes from that podcast to start this one off. Uh, so I'm going to kind of highlight what I talked about in that podcast, what I might've gotten wrong, what I might've gotten right. And then I'm going to go into the season as a whole, the good, the bad, and then the not ugly, but the, the meh, the stuff that just didn't do much for me or the stuff that was just kind of mid that could have been better, but also could have been worse. So that is what this episode is going to be. Might run a little long, but appreciate you listening. And if you're one of those people that I, I called out that was going to leave in the first minute, and you're now here crossing the second minute mark. Appreciate it. All right. And if you like me, if you like the podcast, I'll be doing a lot of stuff this off season going into next season. Uh, rate and review if you really want. Recommend to any of your friends. Follow me on Twitter at chaosball1977. That is where a lot of my content lives is my my Twitter page, but let's just get into it. Mariner season in review. This team, I don't need to go over what happened this season. I'm just going to say, I took the over for these fellas at 88 and a half wins, had my doubts, went with optimism, and god damn you, Vegas, they won 88 games. So uh, that's a loss. That is an over-under loss right there. 88 games on 88 and a half wins. I have a quote about that too I'll get into. Um, so to start off with my preseason podcast about this team, the Mariners season preview, I asked what would constitute a success. Uh, and really what I boiled it down to was a playoff run. I think just making the playoffs was the benchmark. Uh, didn't expect to win the division, to be honest with the team that was coming into the season ended up a lot closer than I expected in the last week of the season with how everything turned out. But I think the playoffs was the benchmark and anything past that. I didn't consider this team a World Series contender, but I considered them a playoff contender. And I think the benchmark was making the playoffs. And with that being said, this season was a failure in that regard. Uh, it was a, a disappointing season as a whole just because they didn't miss the playoffs. Um, even in a vacuum, that's obviously bad coming off the year they had. But the way they went about it, too, just made it so much worse. Uh, but I, I started off the episode saying the vibes were high going into the offseason last year. And there was some hope about getting some of the top guys available. Ha! <laughs> well, they didn't do that. To start off a couple of the quotes, uh, quote, 
disappointing to see the lack of even attempting to sign bigger name free agents, end quote. Uh, and then this other one, you got to look at the future. The 2024 free agent class is not great compared to this offseason. Ding, ding, ding. That one I really talked about a few times last offseason and the front office didn't listen to me. And then I said, again, signings like this, signings like that can propel a team to a World Series contender, not wildcard hopeful, which is where they are right now. I think I nailed that for certain. And then I have a lot of quotes about players and stuff about this team. To start off, I said, I don't want to rely on Cooper Hummel in the DH spot. Agree. And then I said, they signed Tommy LaStella. Mm, Trevor Gott, mm, relief pitcher, will throw innings. Trevor Gott was fine and then ended up getting traded. Tommy LaStella was definitely, mm, definitely bad. I, I could have just came out and said he was bad. Uh, I said the, quote, big signing was A.J. Pollock. And I'm not saying he's a bad signing. I'm just saying that's it. He's a fine signing. Needed a righty out there to platoon with Kelnick, end quote. Uh, you can go back and listen to this. I'm pulling, I pulled these straight from the episode. I was skeptical, skeptical about AJ Pollock. Ugh, God. Um, next quote, extending Castillo and Julio is good. Uh, totally agree. Next quote. I hope the Mariners trade for a full-time DH slash backup first baseman. End quote. I think Mike Ford honestly satisfied that pretty well. So I'm not, not too angry about that one. Uh, then this quote is fun. Colton Wong. I'm looking forward to watching him play in a manager's uniform. He is pretty solid at everything. End quote. Good Lord. That was just bad. Nobody knew he'd be this bad. It was so terrible. Next quote. We know who JP is. His hitting is not bad. He has improved his swing, and I like his approach. End quote. If only I knew. Because I didn't want him to say, JP is a fine option at shortstop. He is, but boy, did he prove to be one of the best shortstops in the league this year, and what a joy it was. Then I went on to say, talk about Teoscar Hernandez. I said, Teoscar will be a great anchor in the middle of the lineup all year. Eh, that didn't really turn out to be super true. Then I really got into the things I was skeptical about. Uh, quote, I am very skeptical of the Kelnick-Pollock platoon. I think going into the year when you could have improved left field in one way or another, rolling with that platoon is a mistake. End quote. Absolutely nailed that. Uh, and then I said, quote, I'm confident Jerry Kelnick, I'm talking about Jerry Kelnick, uh, cannot be a negative player, war player this year, end quote. And he wasn't. He was a positive war player. That one was easy. And then I said, quote, the depth is thin in the outfield in DH. There is not really a DH on this team. Yeah, nailed that one. I said, the lineup is solid. It's missing at least one more big bat. Still agree with that. Then I also said after Moore and Haggerty, the depth is bad. <laughs> Couldn't agree more with myself. Uh, then I got into the pitching. I said watching Castillo pitch is awesome. Totally agree. Uh, I talked about Logan a little bit too. I said if guys can sit on Logan's fastball, players will crush that. Uh, they kind of hit it hard last year. He'll need to. He'll need good good enough secondary pitches so that hitters can't just sit on that fastball as good as the fastball is. End quote. Boy, yeah. That slider and splitter this year were fantastic. Really complimented the fastball well. So good to see uh, that one kind of turn out turn out nicely. Uh, I said, I am so excited to watch Kirby pitch this year. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, and then I talked a little bit about the depth slash like rookies. I said, Bryce Miller, we will probably see out of the bullpen this year, which 
we could have if he didn't uh, start for half the year. And then I said Brian Wu, Emerson Hancock, Taylor Dollard, who we didn't end up seeing. Uh, we will probably see them in some capacity. At least those four guys are good depth in the minors. Uh, yeah, they they were. Brian Wu and Bryce Miller ended up carrying the back of that rotation the last half of the year. We saw Hancock briefly. Didn't see Taylor Dollard. I think he was out for the year, unfortunately. And Hancock obviously got hurt and was out for the year as well. Uh, and then I talked about the bullpen. I said, the bullpen is deep. The bullpen is really good. That's what I said. Then I said, every other pitcher in this team, uh, besides Diego Castillo, just work through games really quick. I don't see any of them being affected by the pitch clock. That was really true. That ended up being very true. They were one of the better pitch clock violation teams this year uh, in terms of not getting any. Their pitcher's not really getting many of those this year. Uh, and then just kind of rounded it all out with these quotes that I kind of nailed. Uh, I said... Despite the team improving, still a disappointing offseason. Despite that, the team is still good. This is a good baseball team, and they will be good this year. I don't think there are World Series expectations with this team. Looking at it, unless they address some of the offensive depth issues, that will really hold them back. Yeah, I I think I nailed that. I, I agree. That kind of happened. And then I said Julio MVP campaign starts on opening day. It did. Uh, he's not going to win MVP, but he had a damn good season. And then I said over under eight eight and a half. This might be Vegas's best line. I think this team wins ninety games again, but I can see a world where they win eighty and miss the playoffs. End quote. That's my last quote for you. And I kind of uh, this ended up being legitimately Vegas's best line because, well, maybe when I when I have my other my other podcast about my other preseason predictions i'm gonna have to address that one but honestly listen turns out i know ball it's crazy that um and those again those i wasn't the only one predicting that sort of stuff i will be clear a lot of other people who are smart enough baseball minds could have seen this stuff coming this year so that was what that was the quotes i wanted to share for my preseason pod but now really let us get into it the good the bad and the meh from the season. I will be focusing on mainly players. I've talked a decent amount the past couple weeks about the team's pitfalls, and I will mention some of them here and some of the good things. But uh, this is mainly is a lot about player performance uh, for sure and a little bit critique on front office, but and, and no predictions for next season, obviously, yet. We're you know a far away from projecting what these guys might be next season. But let's get into it. Let's... You know, let's start with the good. There's plenty of good to talk about. Let's start with the biggest and best thing to come out of this season, and I think it was John Stanton's portfolio. Uh, I really am happy for him this year. He made a lot of money. I love that for him. It was pretty awesome to see the dollars just stacking up. Uh, really happy for him. I really hope he um, he took a lot of this money uh, and is not gonna is not gonna invest it in the team. Uh, if anything, he'll make more upgrades to like the Diamond Club. He'll make sure the 1% of fans feel great uh, and add another rideshare lot. I think what he's really going to do, and I really really hope he's going to do, is just kind of uh, diversify his investment portfolio. You know, I, he's only a billionaire. Uh, it's really not very much money. So I'm, I'm glad he can make a lot of money this season. That was the, the main good to come out of this year. Moving on from that, which, listen... 
I have a lot of things to say about John Stanton, uh, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here to talk about John Stanton. I'm here to talk about Julio Rodriguez. He's he's my real first good that I'm going to talk about this year. Uh, really, really great season from him. I mean, it was a weird one. He it was kind of similar ish to last year, uh, where we expected him to hit the ground running. He had a tough April. Uh, he kind of picked it back up in May. He had a very tough June. And then for six weeks, he was the best player in the league. Uh, July and August, maybe second behind Mookie because Mookie was also going crazy at that time. Uh, but at the end of the year, you look back on the entire output of this season, and he was crucial. He was, by most stats, the best player on this Mariners team. He was 10th in Fangraph's war across the league, which is crazy. He ended up there after the June he had. There was a lot of oh, like doubt. I never doubted him. He did the thing where he struck out a decent amount still, but he also just really hit the ball hard a lot of the time. He's very good at doing that. One of the best at hitting the ball hard in the entire league. He had a 30-30 season at 22. He was like one of the four guys to, to do it at that age. His Center field defense improved greatly. He proved in his rookie year he could stay in center field. That was still a question mark going into last year. Last year, he then just said, okay, I am a center fielder. I can stick out here. And this season, he only improved. He played gold glove defense in center field. He will be in consideration for the gold glove. I don't know if he'll win. Uh, he was fourth overall in stack has outs above average among outfielders with 11 I know Kiermaier and uh, Luis Robert were right there with him in terms of uh, adversaries for center f- for uh, Gold Glove in the AL. Brendan Brenton Doyle is going to win Gold Glove for center field in the NL easily, uh, but Julio will definitely be one of the guys to consider. He was really good out there. Uh, he had the no fly zone celebration and had that whole fan section out there for him. So that center field defense was awesome to see this year and really. He had a really good year. He hit 32 bombs. He slashed 277, 333, 485. Like, again, 5.9 war, 37 stolen bases. Like, 32 home runs, 37 stolen bases is a phenomenal year. Uh, he, I mean, he cut back on a strikeout rate by, like, 1.5%. Uh, so not really that significant to me. WRC Plus was less than last year. It was 126 compared to last year's 146. Offense was up, though, in terms of run creation. So I think really his his, April, his start of the year, the first like three months where he was more or less league average over those three months uh, didn't really help. And then, again, he was best player in baseball for six weeks. So it's not a failure of a season. I think it's an absolute success. I think people expected more of him, but at the end of the day, he put up nearly six war in his age 22 season uh, and made and didn't really get worse at anything. He got better at, at defense and didn't really change his approach a whole lot. Honestly, he stole more bags with the new rules. I mean, he had 102 runs, 103 RBIs. He played 155 games, just a really good year. Uh, there's, I could talk so much about him, but I have a lot more guys to talk about, but Julio was one of the biggest bright spots of the year. And, and, is a perennial MVP candidate. Pretty confidently can say that. Uh, and I will probably talk about more about him going into next year. But 
I need to get through all of this. So my next good from this season is J.P. Crawford. J.P. Crawford, probably the Mariners' most important player of the season this year. Honestly, uh, I think he was the most consistent player, position player at least, the most consistent. And he went to drive on this offseason like I mentioned in one of my quotes from the preseason pod, he already had a good approach. He was steadily throughout his career, he was lowering his K rate and improving his walk rate, but it didn't come with a lot of power. So he was just a solid defense guy, slightly above league average at the plate because of how much he walked, but he was like a two to three war player, which is fine at shortstop. That's like kind of what you want from a shortstop if you're not getting a superstar. And then went to drive on this offseason, changed his swing a little bit changed his approach. He basically just started swinging at more pitches right down the middle, fastball specifically, and laying off everything else, and it freaking worked out for him. He nearly hit 20 home runs. He had 19 home runs from six last year. His career high and was nine in 2021. He raised walk rate again to a really good 14.7%. The more power came with more strikeouts. His walk rate uh, was nearly 20%. That's still below league average by like 4 or 5% with an above average walk rate and that much power production he put up 134 wrc plus this year if you told me at the start of the year he was going to have this kind of year i would have expected the mariners to win the division honestly i i think he again i think he's the most important player this year he was fourth in the league in walk rate among qualified hitters he was second in the majors in wrc plus among uh shortstops behind Corey seager who will probably be second in mvp voting this year the biggest leader out there on the field. Uh, he became a bona fide great hitter. Like again, not just a guy who had a good approach, just a guy, but a guy who can hit the ball hard and hit the ball out of the yard. I 19 home runs from JP Crawford. He nearly had a 20 home run season. 438 slugging from JP Crawford. Man, in the leadoff spot too. He was awesome out of the leadoff spot. He played most of the game. He put 145 games this year. Again, leader in the clubhouse on the field. Not much, not much else you could ask for him, from him this year. I mean, he put up 4.9 Fangraph WAR at the leadoff spot, and just I just love this guy. Uh, I think fans want to see a, a captain on his chest, and he was so pivotal to the Mariners winning uh, games this year. And I'm really encouraged going into next year. I'm very, very excited to see if he can just do the same, or if he builds on this more. That'd be crazy, but. If he just remains like this, if this is just what he is for the next few years, that's phenomenal. And then moving on to the next good was Cal Raleigh. These are the three guys who I just want to give a big fat kiss because I love them. They're the franchise rocks. They're the core of the of the position players, I should say. But Cal Raleigh, my catcher, a franchise rock cornerstone at catcher now who I think needs to be extended I think he's next on the extension list he built on everything he did last year uh and last year he built on everything he did the previous year from when we saw him he played he didn't play very many games in 2021 he played 47 and he showed you know not not much I mean not a very big sample he comes out last year, he puts up a 4.2 war season, one of the best catching seasons in Mariners history. He hits 27 home runs. He is really solid defensively behind the plate. He's not the best at anything behind the plate, 
but he's good at kind of everything. He's not the best blocker, but he's proven to be a good framer, a uh, a good guy who can call pitches. The pitching staff clearly likes him. Uh, he was really good at throwing runners out this year. He, I know he was second in caught stealing this year behind Shea Langoliers and had like a dummy amount in September. He was 10th overall in catcher framing runs. I mean, he, I think he was the best catcher in the league this year. I'll say it. I mean, he and he played 145 games. That's part of why he was so important and put up so much like war. And then he also just blossomed into a huge leader for this team, especially late in the year. Like I would say it's him and uh, JP. I would feel very comfortable calling them captain going forward for this team. And he, I think his arm strength and his pop time and stuff behind the plate increased this year, hit more home runs. He put up back-to-back seasons of two of the best seasons of at catcher the franchise has ever seen. And the, yeah, the bar was low, but that's still wildly impressive. And he probably only improved his relationships with the pitching staff, uh, worked really well with those young rookies as, as well behind the plate. So I just love I just love this guy. He's my catcher. Like he was fourth among qualified catchers in WRC plus. He led all catchers in home runs. And it wasn't really that close. He had 30 home runs, five more than any other catcher. Francisco Alvarez had 25, and Salvador Perez and Yandy, or not Yandy, uh, Yandy or Diaz of the Astros had 23 each. Just a really well-rounded season. Played a whole year, built on everything he did last year. His walk rate was basically the same at at 9.5, which is good. He lowered his strikeout rate by almost 2%. Uh, But I think this guy is going to strike out league average to above league average and just hit bombs and provide really good defense behind the the plate so Cal Raleigh one of the better catchers if not I mean I I declared him a top five catcher like a month ago in the league and I'm pretty confident in that he's really good he's really good and it was great this year one of the bright spots uh, another positive this season another good from this season was Eugenio Suarez's defense Plus, availability. I'll get into more why he wasn't a total good from an offensive perspective, but his defense was phenomenal, and he played every day. I think he started every game except for one, but the game where he didn't start, he got a pinch hit. So he played in 162, one of the, I think, five Ironmans of the league this year, which is increasingly more difficult to do in this day and age. But his defense, man... 14 among qualified infielders and outs above average and fifth among third basemen. He will be in gold glove conversations along with Julio this year, but at third base, I think uh, it's probably him or like Mikel Garcia of the Royals. I would say Matt Chapman's always going to be in that conversation. Um, although I don't know if Matt Chapman played enough games, so I'll have to look. But he also, again, just played every day with that good defense and just right around league average offense. That leads to a 3.2 Fangraphs war season, and that's solid and a testament of value to a guy playing every day. That's a guy you don't like, you're you wanted more from him on offense, but as an aging power hitter, you, this might be what you're going to get. And it, he provides you gold glove defense at third and plays every day, so you don't ever really have to think about rotating that position out. That's a solid player. He was far from the the reason this team wasn't amazing this year Uh, and that defense and availability was awesome. So that's another good. 
I have a few more, a few more good things from this year. Actually, yeah, quite a bit more, but let's let's gloss over this one. Ty France's body, his body was good. He got hit by so many pitches again this year. Led the league with 34. It was not close. Second place was Pete Alonso with 21. That's it. Ty France's body. That was a good this year. Got hit by pitches a lot. Another good. Mike France. Mike France? Whoa. I'm not cutting that out. Mike Ford. How dare I disrespect my my thick first base king like that. Mike Ford. It was indeed his year. If you hadn't followed me on Twitter the whole year, right around in April sometime when Mike Ford like hit his second home run in AAA, I declared it was his year. I started a hashtag. Totally as a joke. And boy, did it turn out to really be his year. He hit 16 home runs this year, provided power at the first baseman position when they were kind of lacking in that category, uh, ended up backing up Ty France a decent amount, playing DH a decent amount. He was also far from what was wrong with this team this year. Uh, really, not much more you could ask from Mike Ford from this season. And he played 84 games. Again, 16 home runs. Like, that's that's solid. 123 WRC plus from Mike Ford in 84 games. Like, it was his year. It was awesome to watch him. Uh, he had a really cool Instagram post this year about talking, like, thanking the Mariners and how awesome it was for him this year to have just a home for the whole year because he's bounced around so much. That really warms my heart. Uh, and I'm really happy that he had that good of a year. And I hope the team can at least keep him around in some capacity. I mean, he can still bounce around from AAA to the bigs, but uh, I think I just want to keep him around because he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> so a couple more goods and it's the rotation and most of the bullpen. Sigh. I think about the rotation. They're really built for the playoffs, but this rotation was so good. One thing, again, that wasn't very hard to see going into the year. What ended up happening, what I thought might have happened, was I think George Kirby was our best pitcher this year. Uh, But George Kirby, Luis Castillo, and Logan Gilbert all threw 190 innings plus. Healthy the entire year were three of the best pitchers in the league. George Kirby, 4.4 F war. Luis Castillo, 3.4 F war. And Logan Gilbert, 3.2 F war. George Kirby had a 3.35 ERA that matched his FIP, which is phenomenal. He, again, he didn't walk anyone. He had a 0.9 walks per nine, which is ridiculous to go along with an 8.1 K per nine. Did amazing stuff. I think he's our best pitcher. I think he's a generational talent. Uh, I want the Mariners to keep him around forever. Phenomenal year from my man, George. Luis Castillo, again, had a very Luis Castillo year. He's a Cy Young candidate for a reason. Really good year. 197 innings. Workhorse. Went five plus innings in every start this year, except for like the last one, which is absolutely fucking brutal. Uh, 3.34 ERA with a 3.81 FIP. Uh, striking out 10 guys per nine. Walking two and a half, which is, that's kind of Luis Castillo, but... Really enjoyable to watch him mow guys down this year. And then Logan Gilbert, part of the third head of this three-headed monster, who honestly might have been the most consistent pitcher this year. It felt like he was the most consistent pitcher this year. He pitched 190 innings with a 3.73 ERA, 3.85 FIP, struck out nine guys per nine. Just, I felt like there were ups and downs of Luis Castillo and George Kirby seasons where, like, George didn't have the best August or September, really. 
Uh, and Luis Castillo dipped briefly at the end of the year too, I guess. And and it felt like Logan was going to give you like a essentially just a quality start every time is kind of what this felt like. While with a higher ERA than the other two, it felt like he had a 370 ERA the entire year and it never really changed from that. And I loved watching him. There was trade talks, and I talked about that a lot, and I would not want to trade him because I love watching him. And there's something to be said about being that consistent, and while he maybe he's not a Cy Young winner, consistently having a 3-7 ERA the whole year is crazy good, where the league average ERA is like 4-5. Like 3-7 ERA over 190 innings is a phenomenal year. So you have those three guys... The tough part, whenever I look at this, is they were so healthy, it feels like a wasted season. Because you, even if the pitchers are as healthy as a clam one year, you cannot predict that going into year another year. And that's what kind of makes me sad about this year. They were so healthy all year. Ugh. And then, obviously, Robbie Ray got hurt out for the year. Marco Gonzalez got hurt out for the year. That was your four and five starters. And then Bryce Miller and Brian Wu come up. And give you great innings for like half the year of really good starts from rookie starting pitchers. Bryce Miller threw 131 innings. Brian Wu threw 87. Uh, Bryce Miller ended with a 4.32 ERA with a 3.98 FIP, 1.9 Fangraphs WAR, and Brian Wu had a 4.21 ERA with a 4.36 FIP. Both again below league average, and both when you look at them from a rookie pitching perspective. Really great years, and it 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 wasn't a fluke, you know. It wasn't a fluke if you watch them, and so it's just it's really encouraging going into next year to see those two guys. Like the stuff was clearly there. They had their rookie like few starts of awesomeness. The league kind of figured them out, and then they readjusted. And down the stretch, they they weren't like amazing, but they also weren't really bad. I think they. They gave you innings uh, when the team needed them, especially. And there's a lot of good stuff for both of them to build on this offseason and going into next year. So both really big bright spots and an otherwise really good rotation as well. I don't know what they're going to do with the rotation next year, considering, I mean, Robbie Ray, they said it's going to be back middle of the year. Marker will be back and still has one year left on his deal when he's owed like $12 million. And Emerson Hancock, too, before he got hurt, he pitched, I think, 12 innings and looked fine. So uh, I don't know what they do there. It's not a bad problem to have, I will say, but a little cluttered. And then the bullpen. The bullpen as a whole, not super surprising, was one of the bright spots this year. Uh, Matt Brash specifically was phenomenal. I mean, he led the league in appearances. He pitched in 78 games through 70.2 innings, struck out almost 14 guys per nine, put up 2.1 Fangrass War as a reliever with a 3.06 ERA, just proved this year he can be both, a, and his FIP was 2.27, and I'll listen, I'll get into Sierra when I'm making my prediction for next season, but he proved this year, coming as a starter, that he could both pitch in volume and high leverage which is quite a fun and unique combo. And having a guy like that moving forward is phenomenal. Plus, he killed a few guys with a slider this year. He committed actual actual murder with his slider this year a few times, which is awesome. 
Uh, and I, again, I don't want to get bogged down talking about too specifically about these players, but man, just led the league in appearances and so many inherited runners, so many high leverage situations he pitched in. What a year. Uh, I'm really confident in that dude moving forward. Andres Munoz was hurt for a little bit. Uh, really up and down year, but largely as a whole, he put up 1.3 war, struck out a lot of guys. I think definitely was struggling a bit with command uh, in like the month of September, but I think overall had a very good year. Justin Topa, the big surprise of the year, a classic Mariners. Oh, we're getting this random reliever nobody knows, and we're going to turn him into an amazing reliever. He appeared in 75 games right behind Matt Brash. Him and Matt Brash, it felt like we're Mr. High. We're both like Mr. We want you to do volume and also inherit runners and get out of tough spots this year. They both did that really well in very different ways. Justin Topa strikes out just over like half the guys Matt Brash does, but he gets about 10% more ground balls and uh, weak contact. Like his sinker is ground ball central. Uh, he I get 69 innings pitched, nice. 1.1 WAR, 2.61 ERA, really good from Justin Topa, and another testament to this organization's pitching development. Uh, another guy that falls in that category, uh, Trevor Gott as well, falls in that category, but he was traded, so he he gave him some good innings, and then went to the Mets and wasn't great. So thank you, Trevor Gott, appreciate the service, bud. Gabe Spire. He pitched 54.2 innings this year, appeared in 69 games. Nice. So a lot of work for him. For those three guys, Matt Brash, Topa, and Spire, a lot of work for those guys. Um, But Gabe Spire, one of those, he came out of the woodwork from the Royals, could never really put it together. Comes to the Mariners, strikes out 10.5 guys per nine, puts up a .6 war out of the bullpen, 3.79 ERA, uh, 2.71 XFIP, just really good stuff from Gabe Spire and another like just random like him and Topa just became two stalwarts of the bullpen this year and I didn't really talk about them in the preseason pod because I was like I don't know who they are I don't know I don't know what we're gonna see from them uh and it was awesome other good bullpen contributions this year I mean Penn Murphy was good for 14 innings man and and out for the year that really hurt I really like Penn Murphy I'm really hoping he isn't too affected by that injury long term and can be another good guy in the bullpen next year because he's kind of Paul Seawaldy. He's funky sidearm sweeper delivery that can really work. Uh, and then Paul Seawaldy, he gave the Mariners 43 really good innings this year. 21 saves, 2.93 ERA, one war with the Mariners. Obviously traded him at the deadline. I, I still, and I'll talk about that trade, I still think that was a good trade from a baseball perspective. I think the Mariners probably should have done more than just that trade at the deadline because then we were left looking at only that trade as like, no, that didn't work, but they should have probably done another one. And I, st- I still think it was a good trade from a baseball perspective, but it, but from a fan perspective, it's just sad to see Paul Seawalk go. Uh, he was a fan favorite. He loved the city. We loved him. I don't think there's any ill will on either side there, obviously as all of Mariners Twitter is rooting for the D backs right now because of him and, uh, go Paul. They're into the NLCS. I mean, if Paul Seaball closes out a World Series game this year, it'll make me so happy. So happy. Not even since I think the trade was good from a baseball perspective, I'm not even bitter watching him on the D backs. 
I'm just really happy for him. I want the best for that man. Uh, but he was good, obviously, for us before the trade. Uh, Isaiah Campbell, I was pretty impressed with Isaiah Campbell this year. He's been in the org for a while, finally got up, proved that I think he's going to be a workhorse out of this bullpen next year, uh, along with the other guys I mentioned that are still on the team. I, I, I just think he's a, good, he's a good pitcher. I like what I saw from him this year. And then Taylor Saucedo, another somewhat unknown name for most. Came in this year, had a great year. Threw a lot of innings, too. 47 innings, uh, 3.59 ERA. Was really big when the bullpen was hurt. Pitched a lot in, I feel like he pitched a lot in August and September uh, when the team needed it most. And I'm really intrigued from uh, from his lefty perspective. It's a funky, funky type delivery, and I like it a lot. So another guy to be encouraged about in the bullpen going into next year. Other guys who contributed, I mean, like Ty Adcock, you know, whatever. Chris Flexen, remember him? He was on the team. He pitched 24 innings out of the pen. Matt Festa had a really good year in AAA, barely pitched with the team in the bigs. Darren McCacken made a couple spot starts, pitched out of the bullpen a little bit. Edward Bizardo, we saw a lot of him later in the year. I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, Stuff-wise, it was awesome. And so I, th- I want I would keep an eye on him next year. I think, I think he could be an X factor, unknown type of guy to the rest of the league out of the bullpen next year. I really liked his stuff. Uh, Ryder Ryan, we saw for one inning. Prelander Barella, really good year again in the minors. Got only one point two innings of work this year. Weirdly, real wild, but with crazy good stuff. Uh, who else do we see? Devin Sweet, not on the team anymore, but we salute you. Ty Adcock um, was okay. He was fine. Uh, Trent Thornton, another guy they picked up near the deadline who uh, I really liked his stuff as well. He seems like a Mariners-y type reliever. Really good sweeper with a, with a sinking fastball. Another guy I think will be in the bullpen on opening day next year. Uh, and then not many other guys. Mike Ford's on here. Shout out to Mike Ford. Two innings out of the pen. With an 18 ERA. Not great, Mike. Come on. You know, he can't do everything, but maybe he'll be our Shohei Otani next year. But I'm done. I'm done talking about the bullpen. I'm done talking about what was good. That was the main goods of the year I wanted to highlight. And now, the bads. John Stanton is the biggest bad. I'm just going to say that. John Stanton, uh, you're broke as fuck. Spend some money this offseason to show that you aren't a broke-ass billionaire. Uh, or kick the curb. Sell the freaking team, dude. You're, you're bad. You're actively bad for my mental health. Uh, but other bad. The offseason acquisitions, bad. Colton Wong, surprisingly terrible. No one really expected him to be that bad, and he was that bad. Jesse, a la Jesse Winker. Uh, really terrible. Really, really, really bad. <laughs> um, but that trade also didn't really work out for the Brewers at all. So nobody won. Everyone lost in that one. It's funny, if you look at the Fangraphs leaderboards for the Mariners and sort it by war, and scroll down to the negatives. Uh, you can see who the offseason acquisitions were. Uh, like, AJ Pollock was bad. Not really that surprising. Tommy Lucello was bad. Also, not surprising. Cooper Hummel was bad. Also, again, not surprising at all. And I should say offseason acquisitions. Offseason uh, position player acquisitions. So, like, Spire and Topa... Uh, those guys are great and got for a little bit. He, those guys were good. I'm not poo-pooing those at all. It's the position player acquisitions. Uh, so those all three of those guys, Pollock, Stella, 
and Hummel, real bad. But also, like, I saw that coming. I'm not surprised they were bad. Colton Wong was so bad and very surprising. That one hurt. That one really hurt. And a couple more bads. The offense as a whole was not, like, bad. It was just aggressively league average. By OPS, they were quite literally, like, league average. If you go on baseball reference, they are right above league average OPS by, like, one point. Um, And, again, that's not really, like, bad, but that's not great for a team that you expected to be better than that. And strikeouts. Strikeouts were bad. The strikeouts were really bad uh, because they did not... They, they just... They didn't come with enough power output. Again, strikeouts are fine if you're socking a lot of dingers. But uh, they had the second most strikeouts in the league behind the Twins. And that's not great. Uh, that's not great. That's all of my bads for the season. There, There's a lot more nitpicky stuff you could say for both the bads and the goods and the mez. But, you know, I'm not going to make this a three-hour podcast. But And, and maybe, you know, because fans... <laughs> A lot of fans, I think, see see success and, and failure as black and white in baseball. Like, their offense was, was mediocre, but everyone will say that's the worst thing about the team this year. It certainly wasn't the best thing about the team, and it wasn't great. But, like, there wasn't that many things bad with this team. It was really just the offseason acquisitions and bats that were really, like, really bad. <laughs> um, and now... I'm getting into the, not the ugly, but the meh stuff that really was just, it didn't do much for me. Uh, and I'm lumping these three guys into the same category here. Teoscar Hernandez, Eugenio Suarez, and Ty France. I think Teoscar, I'd say more disappointing than bad. Ty France may be similar. But all three of those guys were right around league average in terms of like OPS and WRC+. Teoscar played most of the season, put up 1.7 war. He had 26 home runs. He struck out 31% of the time, though. Uh, He wasn't really good. He wasn't really bad. He was just meh. Same with Eugenio Suarez. Uh, His power dipped this year, but again, his defense was really good. He had 102 WRC+, so right around league average. He wasn't amazing. He wasn't bad. And same with Ty France. Uh, people will maybe be surprised about this, but he still didn't strike. He struck out well below league average. He got hit by a lot of pitches. And he put up 104 WRC+. plus. Like, that's not bad. It's just meh. The team needed more than meh, but it's not... Like, that's the team's fault. They could have they uh, forecasted those guys being meh. Jose Caballero is in this category too. Uh, recency bias would tell you that he's bad. If you ask us at the earlier in the year when he was just coming up, he's good. He filled the second base void when the Mariners really needed it. Uh, and then his bat just really cooled off. Uh, but he really proved for a while there he was an absolute X factor in the box and on the base path. Like with the new rules, he really stretched those to their limits in a really fun way. And then, like, the last month and a half for him was pretty ugly. He had a lot of toot blands thrown out on the base path looking like an income poop. And was just terrible at the plate. But he came out of nowhere. I I didn't mention his name once on the preview podcast. And had the fifth most F4 among position players on the team this year. Largely due in part to his base running. But um, 
he, again, he wasn't bad. He wasn't a bad player. It was just like, that's like your second baseman. Like, come on. Tom Murphy, I put in this category too, because he was really good at the plate, but only played 47 games. So that's tough. And then the utility boys, uh, Sam Haggerty and Dylan Moore. So they had good seasons, I would say, as utility men go. Like, let's look. Let's see here. Sam Haggerty ended the year with 108 plate appearances and a 108 WRC+. Small sample, but still. He walked a decent amount. He stole 10 bags and played a lot of positions. Dylan Moore played uh, 67 games, had 165 plate appearances. He struck out a decent amount, but he had 105 WRC+, and 7 steals. Those are fine seasons as utility men if those were really truly your two utility men on the bench the whole year that's great so i would have put them in the good category if that was the case but they were used far too much down the stretch of the season like Moore was hurt and started the year late didn't play as many games Haggerty spent a decent amount of time in triple a by the time they're both up on the team like looking at their output they were fine they were just used too much to fill holes on the team that free agency or other better players on this team, maybe Colton Wong, should have filled. And that isn't really on, like, Haggerty or Moore. They were just relied on too much. Like, Sam Haggerty was starting in the DH in game 161. What do we, like, what, what, that's not on Sam Haggerty. That's on the team. That's on the front office. They were just simply asked to do too much. And so, I put them in the meh category because I think as utility men go, they're they're pretty good utility men. It's just they can't be used as starting DHs constantly, and that's just not their fault. So decent seasons from them, their usage was too high, down, especially down the stretch. Uh, and my last meh was the trade deadline. Like, again, from a baseball perspective, I thought the one trade that they made with Paul Seawald was fine. I think they got a much-needed depth bat from Josh Rojas, who ended up putting up 1.2 war in the 46 games he played with the M's, 104 WRC+, plus, uh, had pretty good at-bats down the stretch. I think he might have just needed a change of scenery because he looked much more like the Josh Rojas we've seen the past few years. So I think the Mariners needed that because he could also play second and third and DH if needed. So I think the Mariners really needed it. Uh, and then Dominic Kenzone, a young outfielder, I think with Kelnick out, they needed another lefty outfielder to be that fourth guy. He didn't have the best year overall. I think he showed flashes. Still a young guy. I think going forward, he's the fourth or fifth outfielder on the team, depending what they do in the offseason. And I think that's fine. And then they got Ryan Bliss, a second baseman who was killing it on AAA to end the year with the Rainiers. All for Paul Seawald, who is going to help the D-backs in the playoffs, and he has one more year left on the deal. I think that trade was fine. And Josh Rojas and Canzone ended up winning a couple games for the team down the stretch. I just The trade deadline was so meh as a whole because that trade was fine, but there were other bats that could have been had, and they didn't move for him, and I think it really bit him in the ass. Look at the, like the D-backs. They got Tommy Pham. Look how much he's helped them. Like There were a lot of guys kind of like that available that would have taken prospects of some kind which is okay to do to trade those guys and they didn't do it uh but i think the trade they made was fine it sucks to see paul seawald in another jersey and not closing out games for the mariners and that sucks because i love him but he is not the reason this team missed the playoffs 
Paul Seawald, if they didn't make that trade and Paul Seawald was on the team, I think this team still would have missed the playoffs. They weren't like the Paul Seawald away. So I, I think that trade was fine. They just didn't do too much. So the trade deadline falls on the meh, didn't do much for me category. And all of this meh harmed the team, I should say. It wasn't bad, but if these guys weren't meh, they were actually good, this team would be in the playoffs. But from an, an objective standpoint, it was eh. You know, it was eh. And then I have a secret fourth category, the Jared Kelnick category. I just don't know. I just don't know. I In the preview, I said I was very clear that going into the year and having him as the starter was a mistake as him and Pollock were like the going to be the starters this year, I said that is a mistake. And um, I honestly think it ended up being true. Uh, I think this year was for sure a step in the right direction for him. That month of April was something else. He had like a thousand OPS that month. It was awesome. But otherwise, after that month, he looked more like the Kelnick we used to know. Um, like I still don't know what he is. Like, if we look at his season-long numbers, it's not that different to what he did last year if you just look at the season-long numbers. Um, he had that April rest of the year. It was, eh, you know, not great. I think his floor is clearly higher than last year. He absolutely made some improvements. There was tangible improvements to the approach and the swing. But it still ended up being a little disappointing looking back on what the year could have been for him. I mean... He raised his walk rate by like a percentage. He lowered his strikeout rate by like 2%, but that's still 31.7% strikeout rate. With 11 home runs and 416 plate appearances, that's not enough power for that many strikeouts. Like he ended with 108 WRC+. A lot of that came from one month. And then he kicks a cooler, breaks his foot, and misses the rest of the year, essentially, except for the last like two weeks of September. Um... Just was so brutal for him and the team. He still didn't really struggle to hit the ball hard when he hit it. His hard hit rate was actually up by quite a lot this year. He hit legit the longest home run I've ever seen versus the Cubs. That's the longest home run I've ever seen in my entire life uh, by a Mariner, at least. A good improvement is that he crushed the fastball this year. He really did damage against the fastball, which is good, I think going forward if his approach is going to be sit on fastballs in the zone that's not the worst approach to have uh, especially given how hard he can hit them uh, he got better against breaking stuff enough like for me to be happy right now he wasn't a super net negative against like curveballs sweepers sliders he was merely like mm, like average to slightly below average which with the amount he crushed the fastball, I'll take. He was really, really bad against changeups, though, oddly enough, this year. So that's something to improve upon. Uh, it's just a lot of swing and miss still. Like, I am I think I'm going to count this season for Kelnick as a success for him because he was honestly better than I expected. I haven't been high on him at all. I mean, he put up a two-war season, according to Baseball Reference. 1.3 F-war. But after seeing what he did in April and how hard it fell off, it's hard to call it like a rousing success. But then I guess you look at, you know, last year and the season before that, and I guess it's a success for him. Again, it's, it's a step in the right direction. 
I I don't want to say I told you so at the start of the year when uh, he had a really good spring. Like the team went into spring training with him as a starting left fielder and Pollock platooning. And I again, I said that was a mistake. I said that is a really dumb thing for the team to do because uh, they could have upgraded the position. And you look at the season long numbers and it's and it's like, oh, well, that was a good position. But no, you, he all of that came from the beginning of the year, basically. Uh, and again, the swing and miss doesn't justify the home run output. 11 home runs in 105 games is just not good enough. So I don't I don't know where else to go with him. Um, like, let me let me find his season long splits just to illustrate and and this is again the team now is without another outfielder Teoscar Hernandez I think they're going to qualifying offer him but I think he's going to decline it and if they don't pursue him in free agency they need at least one more outfielder and still if they go into next season with an outfield of unknown right fielder right now Julio in center and him in left I still just don't think that's good enough I I don't know how much I've bought into that April being real Especially because the league clearly figured him out a little bit more. Uh, I think he's. A, I think going into the year with him as maybe the fourth outfielder slash DH against right-handed pitching, if he can cross right-handed pitching, I'd be more okay with that. But having him as a bona fide starter entering next year, I think would again be inadvisable for the team that wants to win a World Series. But maybe they don't. I mean, again, maybe they just don't want to win a World Series, so they might be fine with starting him in left field. So yeah, look, April and March, 982 OPS. May, 727 OPS. That's still fine. That's still about league average. June, 588. July, 686. And September, October, 653. So just not great. Most of that output came from the start of the year. And again, if he's striking out 31% of the time, I need to see 30 home runs. I think, same with Teoscar, why Teoscar wasn't an absolute failure this year. He was merely meh. I think the expectations might make him look like a failure because he came into the year, we were expecting 130 WRC+, 120 WRC+, like 30 home runs, uh, and he ended up with like 20 home runs. What did he end up with? 26 home runs, 31% strikeout rate, 105 WRC plus with a 5.6% walk rate. Not good enough. Your corner outfielders were simply not good enough. And you were expecting more from Teoscar. Uh, and I don't know. I And Kelnick, I just... I'm conflicted. I want him to succeed really bad. I really do. And he is just... I don't know. It's going to be a weird offseason because... It's not like there's that many outfielders readily available uh, through free agency, that is. I think maybe they'll trade for some outfielder. I don't know. But uh, that's the wrap on the Jared Kelnick category, and that is the wrap on this season in review. More specifically, player, what was good, what was bad season in review. It's not anything we could have seen coming. I mean, Colton Wong, man, that we didn't see that coming. Teoscar being... Not great for a lot of the year. We didn't really see coming either. Um, but you had not great, like disappointing years from Eugenio Suarez and Ty France, to be honest. They were disappointing. They weren't like bad statistical years, but they were disappointing for sure. Uh, you had a lot of good 
you fell just short. And I think it's even more painful that they fell just short looking back at what I thought the issues were at the start of the year in terms of depth and lack of solid offseason moves. Because you got to think if they had a better offseason, they'd probably be in the playoffs right now. And that's unhealthy to do. But I think that's just how it is. Uh, and so a lot of what went wrong this year is on the players. Like down the stretch, like listen, down the stretch, I talked about it. Julio was fantastic, but down the stretch, he really, he really failed. And that's baseball. Um, but I'll say it again before I sign off. The point of a front office, if you're trying to win a World Series or be the best team possible, this team on paper, again, coming into the year, it's a good team, but they didn't do enough to minimize the risk. It's like, John Stanton can probably talk about this. He probably does investing. You minimize risk. You put your assets in a bunch of different buckets to not lose as much money as you could with you know, your assets in one bucket. And the Mariners did not really diversify too much this offseason. They really didn't. They did not minimize the, the variance of this team because... You can look at this team and you have Teoscar, Eugenio, Ty France as league average when you're expecting them to be better than that. You have Colton Wong absolutely be the worst player in the league. And if they had accounted for more variants, you probably would have had other guys step up and be good. But they didn't really have those guys to do that. They had to rely on Jose Caballero, who was a flash in the pan. They had to try to have Cade Marlowe pick up some of that slack. They relied on too much on Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty, the utility men, to do the job that should be for a marquee free agent or a marquee trade piece. So a lot of this, the pitfalls of this year stem from the offseason and the way they built the team. So that's it. That's it for this pod. Uh, I will have another pod potentially next week. Maybe not. We'll see. I'm going to have one after the World Series ends, but that won't be for another few weeks. Uh, so next week I might I might just look back on my over-unders. I might do an off-season kind of preview maybe what the Mariners might want to do this off-season. I mean, they're not going to listen to me, but we'll see. Either way, this was the Mariners season in review. My Did my predictions come correct in my preseason pod? Some of them did, some of them didn't. Uh, the good, the bad, the meh, and the Jared Kelnick category. I hope you enjoyed we're just under the hour. I appreciate you listening if you've listened this far. Thank you so much for listening the whole season. Again, be on the lookout for more pods this off season. And if you want an update on anything that's going to come out, just, again, follow me on Twitter if you don't. So much appreciated. Have a good rest of your week. And, of course, go Mariners, but also, like, go D-backs and Phillies. Like, we're rooting for the National League here, folks. It's an all-Texas ALCS. We're rooting for the National League to win the World Series this year. So let's be on high hopes for that. Thank you all again. Goodbye.